pulses and sends out messages to our hearts. And we receive them and, and it, they transport us into that realm and then we come back into this realm armed, <laughs> filled, empowered, inspired. And with that empowerment, that inspiration, we look at one another not after the flesh, not after we have looked at as people before, not even after those who are uh, against the things of God the way we looked at them before, against the, against the things that we know our kingdom, and they are diametrically opposed to it. And we look at them and we say they are just cousin Esau. It's just, it's just Esau. They just, they haven't seen the glory and the beauty yet. So we can be angry with their works, but we can't be angry with them. We can be traumatized by their, by their vicious behavior sometimes, but we cannot lose sight of the goodness of God and his everlasting mercy if they are still alive. He is still holding out the scepter of mercy and love to them. And so fellow travelers, fellow citizens of the kingdom of heaven, fellow diplomats, <laughs> fellow diplomats of the kingdom of heaven here, uh, fellow sojourners and pilgrims on this land, welcome. And I just want uh, to say a few things about the Sabbath. Uh, it's like a tapestry. And this, every Sabbath is a unique tapestry, as it were, an art, a piece of art that the creator of the universe draws. Like every sunset's unique and every, every sunrise is unique. The, the Sabbath, every Sabbath is its own tapestry with its own beauty to it. So I was sitting back there in, in the chair and I like to sit in the back. I know it, sometimes people think I feel should sit in the front, but I love sitting in the back where I can see where everybody else sees, what, what other people see. And I was seeing that this tapestry was being knitted together, pieced together by the Father, little bit by little bit. And I was saying, thank you for every stitch in this, stab, this Sabbath. Thank you for, the, for the, 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 play, the instruments. Thank you for the sound of the keyboard that played. Thank you for the one who played it. Thank you, Father, for the one, the singers. Thank you for the dancers, for the flags. Thank you. Thank you for the giver of the Torah. Thank you for the scribe. Thank you for the custodian who carried it and brought it here. <laughs> Thank you for the, for the one who adorned it with the coverings. Thank you for the beauty of this. This is this is the center point of the tapestry of the Sabbath at Or Haim on two days before Shavuot, 5781. And I looked at the, I looked up at, at the, in the windows, which they were covered, and when I opened the windows, and nobody opened the windows, but, <laughs> but, but I was seeing up above these windows five words. Five words which are like chapters of the of the this great book we call this this Sabbath of this particular Sabbath, and in English we read them: faith, hope, love, peace, and joy. And we're going to talk 
God willing, with Tony and I, as we share in a few moments as we go through this process, we're going to talk a, a lot about the middle of those. Hope. And peace. And our, really, our theme will be, uh, God willing, the Father allowing, it will be restoring hope, healing, and joy, and, and peace, shalom, to a broken, <laughs> angry world. Our calling is to do that. Hallelujah. Well, that's, and this Sabbath is an instrumental day in bringing that sense that that is since that's why we're here other things that we could think about other things we could talk about other things we could do have to take a back seat have to take a priority there is a uh, <laughs> well before I do that good shabbos good shabbos Good Shabbos, good Shabbos. Good Shabbos, good Shabbos. Good Shabbos. Good Shabbos, good Shabbos. Good Shabbos, good Shabbos. Good Shabbos, good Shabbos. 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 There is a, a group of, a couple from Texas that has become a celebrity, I guess, in this world, from Waco, Texas. So some of you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> Chip and Joanna Gaines, okay, so, and, and they have this, they, they got famous, a little couple out of, out, of, out of Waco, Texas, both of which love our king very much. And they sort of got picked up about this little show called what? What was it called? Huh? Fixer Upper. <laughs> Fixer Upper. <laughs> Fixer Upper. And they start the show, have you got the guts? Have you got the guts to take on a, a Fixer Upper? And at the end of the show, after they walk through the process and they do the demo and they do the work and they do the reconstruction <laughs> and they restore and rebuild and, and take the, the house, the bones of the house to some place way beyond where it ever could have imagined. Even the builders of it could have imagined. And Joanna puts her little touch and her little magic in it to where it, it just welcomes everyone who comes in. And they go out and they, they've hidden the house from everybody during the period of time. The people who are doing the fixer-upper. And then they have the little cover over the, over the house that you can't see it. And then they turn to the buyers, the owners of this house. And they say, are you ready? 
Are you ready to see your fixer-upper? Well, the creator of the universe is saying to his church, <laughs> to the body of, of Messiah, to his fellow diplomats of the kingdom, he's saying, have you got the guts? Have you got the courage to take on a fixer-upper? And then to work through it and to put the effort into it and the skill into it to demo what needs to be demoed <laughs> and to rebuild and to restore and to decorate and to bring out the inner beauty of what should have been there all along was designed into it all along and take that one step further and then say, are you ready to see your fixer-upper? Could the body of Messiah, could Orhaim, <laughs> you know, could Castle uh, Rock Canyon Fellowship, could all the other fellowships that are represented here or that may actually one day watch this video or see this video on Zoom, could you understand what your fellowship would look like? What's your, the community of the, of the body in Denver area, this whole region, and in whatever region you may be, might look like if the master of the masters got a hold of it and took it under his wing and began to do what needed to be done. Now, there would be some demo, and that demo would be things that we think are pretty precious to us sometimes. But for the greater, for the better vision, for the higher vision, for the purpose of what he designs us to look like. And he wants to show us off. He wants to show us to the world. He wants to demonstrate to the world what he can do with things that everyone else threw away. With people that everybody else thought were, they couldn't possibly do anything. With people who had gotten into a rut, had gotten into a, a, a form and were good at the form, but they weren't, they just kept being there day after day and week after week, and they didn't, they lost the life, they lost the power. Well, this is our challenge this week, and we hope to be able to bring some wisdom to you. Before I call Tony up here, I want to, uh, you know, Stu ask, you know, what, what are you? What, what do you? what do you call yourself, or what would your title be? He's my friend. Uh, we're, we're family. I mean, you know, if you walked with us for the last 26, 27 years, I mean, you know, his family is my family, my family is his family. You'll find out. I won't have to tell you what he can say and what he can do, what his gifts are and talents are. You'll find that out for yourself soon enough. <laughs> I, I don't even have to talk about that. The Father brings that to the, to the surface very well. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring him to the, to the forefront in just a moment. We're going to sit. We, we do this at, at our fellowship, and we just sit, and we uh, allow what God gives us to come forth, and we synergize off one another and just let each other do that. And uh, it's going to be a while today, so take your time. Enjoy. Relax for a while. We're going to be here a bit. We're going to have some break in between. You'll have some meal, have some food. But what we're hoping to do is to outlay, to lay out a pattern. You know, when Joanna Gaines meets with the owners and she lays out the blueprint, 
she has a computer program in her situation that she shows them what their living room is going to look like and what the new bedroom they're going to add is going to look like and what the furnishings will look like and where the doors will be. And she shows them the pattern uh, of what they're going to see, and they're always in awe and amazement. That house can look like that. You know, our home could look like that. And it's just at that time, it's just a vision. It's just on a computer screen, it's just on an image. But before the show's over, before the, the end of the story, it becomes a reality, even perhaps better than what was on the screen. But we want to hope to lay out for you that blueprint. It's going to take a little bit of laying out. It'll take a while. Be patient with us and work with us here. And we want to have some time at the, in the afternoon session for us to visit, for you to have your comments, your questions, your issues that you want to bring about because this is our fixer-upper. This is, this is not my fixer-upper. It's, it's not even solely his fixer-upper. He wants to share this fixer-upper with all of his people. So this is our fixer-upper to work with. And so that's sort of the theme of what we're going to be doing today. And uh, I'll call Tony up in just a moment, but I just want to say this. I have good news for us, for you. The Messiah has come. He has come and he has dwelt upon the earth. And he left behind not only disciples that could carry on the word, he left his very essence and his very presence in the blood and the sweat and the dirt of the land of Israel and through the land of Israel pulsing out into the world. And our world can enjoy the fact that Mashiach has come. Messiah has come. Now he has, he has risen <laughs> He rose from the grave, and then on the 40th day after the resurrection, after he had spent basically 40 days laying out the vision for the fixer-upper <laughs> for the disciples, he ascended into heaven, and he made certain statements, and what was possible, what could possibly be done, what could possibly happen in the world would never be thought of the same way again. We don't have to carry on the way we've been doing. Matter of fact, people always talk about, you know, we're gonna, when are we going to get back to normal? When's the, the COVID and all the stuff that's going on the, and the, the, the racial issues and all? When are we going to get back to normal? And I'm not in any hurry to get back to normal the way we know normal. What I am anxious and excited about is to get back to his idea of what normal should have been all along. <laughs> what it would look like if we actually did what he said to do and were empowered the way he called us to be empowered and inspired and energized the way he called us to be inspired and energized. Well, that's the, the good news that we're beginning is not only does he, is he risen, not only has he come, not only has he risen, not only has he ascended, not only has he dispersed upon earth all the things that we need for life and godliness and for the restoration of creation, not only that, but he has dealt very bountifully with us. And he has been very gentle with us. He has been very uh, deliberate and intentional with us as he's developed us in these days to prepare us for a season like unto the one we are presently in. When not only we are crying out for something better, the entire world is crying out for something better, though they don't even know what they're asking for. This is our moment. This is our opportunity. 
This is our season. So that is our introduction, basically, to what we want to talk about today. Uh, we will let this thing flow. Tony Young, come up here, brother. Chauncey, Chauncey. Uh, Chauncey Anthony Young, I <laughs> called Tony by, by me because I don't pronounce Chauncey well there as well. I used to do, when I first met, we didn't, I couldn't pronounce Chauncey very well. But John, Tony Young and Tony and, and our, our families have been inter interwoven for 26 years, 25 years. And so we have come to know each other more like brothers than anything else. And so when we introduced him, got a chance to introduce him last year and his daughter came and she uh, didn't make it yet this morning. But at any rate, uh, it's, it's, it was a joy to me. And I asked Stu if it would be possible, and, and, and Jack, if it would be possible, if, if Tony could, because this is the reality is we work better together than we do individually. So, Tony, have a seat. You want your usual place on, the, on this side. And introduce yourself, if you would. Just say hello to everybody. That was all right. right? If, we, if we were voting and giving votes, whatever, you get out of 10, you get a five, a four. So we're going to do this a little different because what we want to do is we want to, we want to make sure that you understand what Shabbat Shalom really means to us. It's not just a greeting, right? You're releasing something, correct? You carry an environment of shalom on the inside of you. And when you say Shabbat Shalom, you sure should ooze out of you. <laughs> Are you ready? Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat shalom. Woo! That was good. Let me tell you a little bit about myself. But first, I want to thank um, Stu and Millie for how we're set up this time. So we came, you know, we stay at hotels and stuff like that, right? But this time, all the plans changed. Thank God for the changing of plans. He, he, he knows what's best. And I met my brother from, a, from another mother. I, I'm not playing with you. This guy, this guy is me in a different uniform. Jack. Stand up, Jack, so they can see that you look just like me. This is Jack. Jack and his wife Lynette are beautiful people, but what made it so so much more beautiful to me is I was I was looking at myself, right? Just listening to him. I was good every time he talks, I get excited. And uh, you know, he just, you know, we eat the same, you know. We cheated the same yesterday with the uh, salty caramel, and Stu cheated too. We all <laughs> We all did a little bit more than what we should do. I'm, I'm in this health and life coach dual certification, and they're teaching me all the rules for eating and everything. I broke every one of them yesterday under <laughs> Stu's invitation. Broke every rule in, in life coaching. I, I, um, the last time I was here, we lived in Texarkana, and um, 
Papa B and I, I call him Papa B, so you guys excuse that, okay? I, I call him Papa B. So Papa B and I. I call him Tony, so it's okay. Yeah, yeah. So we have, yeah. <laughs> so we have, we have, we, we created a little talk show, it seems like it, uh, called Tony, Tony, what is it? Uh, Tor Talks with Tony and Bill. Some, who was that said that? Somebody knew it. Look at it. She, she knew it before we, uh, yeah. Tor Talks with Tony and Bill. Yeah. And I said, I'm Tony and this is. Bill. Bill. I call him. Papa B. So. I, I lived in Texarkana, we were, you know, and we did a lot of things together there. We were very close. We walked together, did a lot of stuff. And, um, and then I got a job, and a different job, and, and my job took me away from the area. And I live in what they call the Arkansas Delta. Mm-hmm. It's known for its rich soil. It's a farming community. Now, understand, let me give you, I moved from Chicago to Texas, amen. <laughs> to the fields of Arkansas. Culture shock. And I was greeted by what I call environmental police. You call them mosquitoes. And I got there, and I was going to be, you know, I, you know, you're moving into a new community. I was going to, I was going to be the, the shining light, right? I'm going to let my light shine. I'm going to be the salt in the community, right? So I, I, I moved there, and, you know, and I didn't know where I was moving, and they told me all this stuff, and they set me up, and said, you have to stay here for a year, blah, blah. So I, I move into this area, and I'm moving in, and I, you know, I, I, don't, know, I don't know about the, the police there, the environmental police. I didn't, I didn't know about them. I heard about them, but I didn't really know, and I didn't take it seriously. So I get there probably right before sunset, and um, and and I'm 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 moving my stuff in, you know I'm getting I'm, you know I have the I have the windows down, right, and you know the car is wide open. I open my door to the house; it's wide open, and I'm just taking my time moving things in. And I noticed something that I should have took I should have took note of when I was driving into the community. No one had their porch lights on. Mm-hmm. Nope. I thought these are mean people. <laughs> they don't know how to live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? They live all dark and stuff. I said, this is a dark community. Lord, where you brought me to? And so, so I go in, you know, I cut all my lights on. And about a hundred thousand police starts talking to me. And I think they was operating under God's grace because they wouldn't bite me initially. They said, we're going to give you an opportunity to get in the house. It's like they were just flying around. We're going to give you an opportunity. You got about, you got about, you got about 30 more minutes to get in the house. And learn this quickly, and I did, and you know, and I of course they they bit me later, but but not then. But that's where I live. I live in Arkansas. But I moved there during a time in my life where I really, really, really needed to hear from God. And isn't it like God to move me in the middle of a soybean field around mid-harvest 
with no furniture and a window that looks into the field. The harvest. And from that, the Lord began to talk to me. And for at least three months, our entire conversation was about that field. And so, doing Shavio, because <laughs> I got to see the harvest. I also got to see all the work. I'll sit down on this word that I'm going to give you, and then we'll get started. I have some, I wrote this down because I thought I was going to forget it. It's a, it's a, this is my, I brought this from work. <laughs> There's a word that God has given me for this group. So I want to give you that. But first, I want to share this with you. A couple of years ago, the Lord began to share with me that a fire was breaking out. And he started teaching me about farmland and things like that and how they burn the fields. And the Lord said, those fields had what you call burn bosses. Burn bosses were there to guard that process to make sure that the fire didn't cross over into other area and began to damage other, it may be even getting into homes and things like that. So you had burn bosses and they governed the fire. And the Lord says that there is a fire that's taking place in the earth right now that there will be no burn bosses in place. And what he told me was the fires, you would call them revivals, yeah. renewals, restorations. You would call them those. But these are fires. And he says, he's the reason why a lot of the revivals would start and end, start and end, or you'd have to travel to experience one. It's because those fires were manned by, by burn bosses. Individuals that felt it was their job to manage the fire. But the Lord says, I'm raising up a fire. And I have fired all the burn bosses. And the fire will cross over into homes, into communities, into all geographic, he says, because this and this far, you will not have to travel to Florida or to Canada or anywhere to be a part of the revival because there'll be no burn bosses deciding where the fire takes place. So that means even right here, right. COVID came. And fired the burn bosses. Mm, yeah. 
Oh. <laughs> There's no one currently managing the fire. That means we can add as much fuel. That's right. Oh. That's right. You got it. I, I thought I had somebody that was listening just a minute ago. We, we can add as much fuel. We can put as much grass. We can burn it. We can burn it and we can burn it. And we don't have to watch it. We don't have to stay up all night to see where it's going to go. It's going where God wants it to go. And then a wind is going to blow on the fire. And your children and grandchildren and all these people that you've been praying for that you can't reach partially. All these families are going to get burned because the fire. And they will not. I thought somebody was listening. Are you guessing? How many of you got a piece of wood? <laughs> yeah. How many of you got a piece of wood? Yeah. Maybe I should say it a different way. How many of you have your shore inside of you? Amen. Then you got wood for the fire. I my, we used to say this when we was kids. I double dare you. Yeah. I double dare you. Triple double dare you. Double dog you. Yeah. To put a piece of wood. On the fire. There are some people that need you. That's right. <laughs> right? All right. I'll say this. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of black and white stuff going on. And um, I know you can't tell, but I'm black. And, uh, <laughs> Only on the outside. <laughs> and that's my brother. It's my brother over there. <laughs> And uh, there's a lot of black stuff going on. So there's a lot of black and white stuff going on. And, and I, have, I have, God's given me wisdom for that. It's not for this. It's not for this, this that we're in. But I will say this to you. You and I are the same. That's exactly right. Best piece of advice I can give you <laughs> is love, keep loving the colorful side of you. Just different. Now, Millie's my friend. Now, yeah, you guys have to be careful with Millie because Millie will crack you up. <laughs> You'd be laughing in places you probably feel like you shouldn't be laughing. And you're like, Do I, should I laugh at that? Yeah, I love Millie. Here's the word that, that I have for you, and I'm going to share this real quick. Um, I got this, Papa B and I, and, and uh, you know, I'm sorry, I'm going to be calling him Papa B because that's what I, I call him. But Papa B and I, we have these conversations, and, and Jack and uh, Lynette allowed us to walk through their community and exercise. You know, it's kind of what we do, but we also walk and talk and pray and hear God. And so this morning after our walk, we were sitting, and we started talking. And in the middle of the conversation, the Lord starts talking to me about Stu and Millie and, and the people that would come here today. And I want to just share this. I had to write it because it came so quick. I told, I told, told Papa B, I got to get a pen. He's messing with me. I need to write this down. <laughs> Words for Stuart Miller. He says, the Lord is revealing to you in this season and your group your new capacity 
for transformation, for growth and development. He is revealing your new capacity for community engagement and for strategic and timely input, investments, and intervention into this portion of the harvest in which you've been assigned. And I like that he said he's revealing the capacity, meaning that the capacity already exists. But he has... He has to reveal or uncover that capacity to stew and milk. And then he will give them the articulation and the leadership and the skill to lead you to your capacity. But it's for the harvest and you'll be so wise. This is another thing I learned in farming. You know, I told my wife, I said, I'm a farmer. I'm going to start riding tractors. She said, you're not a farmer. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. She says, you're going to hurt yourself. Don't go out there getting on tractors and stuff. So. But I learned this about farming. There are times where they are, they are so wise. There are times where they get what they, have, what they call strategic input, right? They're not always putting things in the field, but they, are, but they are strategic in when to insert something into the field. The planes are not flying all the time. The crop dusters are not flying all the time. There are times when the crop dusters fly. There are times when the harvesters are in the field. I even watched the farm because my, my window was right there at the farm. Right, I loved it. It was beautiful. The, the, there, was a, there was a guy that owned the farm. He would come out to the farm or out to the field, and I would see him pick something or pluck something out of the field, and he'd, and he'd bite it. Listen, you have a capacity for transformation and growth that God is revealing in this hour. You also have the capacity to invest under his wisdom when he says so. And it's all for harvest. Amen? Amen. All right. The other part that um, Stu asked me to share with you, if I, we were down there praying, and again, I saw this group, but this time I saw several of you picking up what looked to be crumbs. You were picking up crumbs bringing it to the basket. You know where that come from? The story? Yeshua feeding? And there were crumbs left. And what did they do? They picked up the crumbs. Yeshua said, this is a season where I'm going to teach you to waste nothing. You'll waste nothing. (laughs) Amen? Amen. Okay, all right. I'm done. Thank you, puppy.
Thank you. Told you I don't have to tell you much about what he can do, <laughs> what he is gifted to do. Now, I want to I want to just tell you that basically the format that we're going to follow here, uh, and and the sort of the the story, the backstory of what we're talking about. There was a man, you know him uh, if you if you've come out of the Christian tradition, you know him as as Peter, Caiaphas, uh, Shimon, Caiaphas, Simon, Peter, uh, Cephas, whatever names you learned to know him by, but. Here was a guy who, uh, well, you know, he's a fisherman, and he was a big guy, and he was a loud mouth, and he, was a, he had a lot of uh, energy and passion about things. And uh, one day, Yeshua, the master, was walking by the sea. And how many, as out of curiosity, because I know who, how you'll be thinking about this story if you've seen it. Have you seen The Chosen? Okay, so you know we're not going to go into the great detail of the story that the chosen tells, but nevertheless, here's Kepha by the by the sea and where he's been and out fishing all night, you know, in this this process. And he, of course, he caught zilts. He caught nothing in this process, and he's probably tired and ticked and a little embarrassed that he, well, whatever. We won't go into all the details of Kepha, but but then Yeshua comes out and and, and the master looks at him. Now, you don't see it written in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. <clears throat> you don't know what's about what Yeshua sees when he looks at this man. The capacity. Mm. <laughs> the capacity to carry the kingdom forward. He, you know, mo most people just saw this kind of a loudmouth fisherman, you know. Not exactly, you know, your, your star diplomat of any kingdom or... Ministry, or he, he fleshy, worldly, you know, in this process. And you know many people like that right now. You know many people who looked upon them. You would think the same thing people thought of Peter back in those days. They're in your fellowship. They're in your streets. They're in your village. They're in your cities. They're in your workplaces. They're, they're there, and they don't have anything really to commend themselves to God or to you or to each other. But Yeshua looks on this man and he sees in him a great harvest, a great harvester, <laughs> a strategic insertion, a guy who can strategically insert, a guy who knows how to, how to who will learn how to break down the burn, what do they call them, burn what? Bosses. Burn bosses and put them on the shelf and put them aside and let the fires burn. But this, Peter doesn't know that about himself yet at this moment. And, of course, neither does anybody else. But the first thing Yeshua says is, uh, uh, put out to fish, go put out to sea, and pull your net on the other side. This is your test. Okay. I mean... Kepha had to buy into this, and he didn't know why he was buying into it. He could have said, like he did, I'm tired. I've, I've been out all night. We've caught nothing. I'm the fisherman. You're, the, <laughs> you're not. Uh, he could have, but he, he said the, the simplest little thing. But nevertheless, that's your word. I will do this thing. Well, of course, what immediately happened was Yeshua said, he's mine. I had him. <laughs> at your word. <laughs> I, I had him at, at your word. I've got you at, at my word. The Holy One has you at, now the capacity just needs to be developed and built. 
Now the opportunity just needs to be provided. Now the maturation just needs to come. Now the time and the energy and the passion and the patience just needs to be given. And then we're going to find out that we have a man who not on his own, but by virtue of the investment of heaven's time in this person's life, will become the author, the source, the fountain of healing words and healing ways, a restoration of hope and healing and shalom into a broken, shattered, and angry world. That was what he saw in Peter. That is what he cultivated in Peter. The time he took, the energy he spent, sometimes he spoke to him gently and lovingly. And other times he had to push him with words, with, with, with words that seemed harsh to others if you didn't know the relationship between the two. Um, my wife and Tony go back a long way, as we do, and so she can speak to Tony in ways that I won't even try. And, she, and he knows that's my Mama Rosa. <laughs> that's Mama Rosa. That's, that's, she's, she's, she knows I need to move, I need to push, I need to go. And because of the relationship you develop. And this is one of those situations. I, I hear people all the time saying, well, I need to, we need to rebuke the, the, the sinners. We need to rebuke those who are not walking in the right way. Whatever it is, they're not doing right or, or they're doing wrong. We need to rebuke them for that. But there's a little caveat for that in the kingdom. If you don't have the relationship with them that you develop where they know that you're willing, you're willing their heart, their good, that their benefit, that, then, then hold your rebuke and let somebody who has that relationship do that. Because the key is not the rebuke. The key is the movement and relationship that comes forth from that. So healing words, healing ways. What if... You and me devoted our life, being taught by the master, being led by the spirit to where we would put aside everything else that might come out of our mouths. Demo day. Everything else that might be coming out of our mouths to be a vessel of healing words. And then healing interactions and healing touch, healing ways, evident modeling, ways of life and ways of health and ways of peace to the people around us. We talk, you're going to impact people. You're going to have an impact on people. You're going to affect your, not just your family. You're going to affect people on the street, on the highway as they're driving. Your driving will affect them. And your attitude about how you cut in and out of traffic will affect them. That will affect their shalom. Now, this is that key. Are we ready to be a fixer-up? Are we ready to be a Peter? Are we ready to be one who is, wherever we are right now, and whatever the situation we have faced thus far and experienced thus far, to say, nevertheless, at your word. At your word, I will do what you say. If that's, if that's where we are, then the burn, whatever they are. Burn bosses can go take a seat right. because there are no limits to what the kingdom can do through a person like that. <laughs> there is no limit to the impact we can have on our society, on our culture, on America, on Colorado, on the Colorado state government, on the United States government. If we want to fight them on their turf, we'll lose. 
But if we want to take in the empowering, healing words of our holy creator and redeemer and then begin to exhibit those and speak those, then we will see strongholds begin to crumble. Well, healing words, healing ways. This is session number one. Biblical strategies for reintroducing hope, healing, and shalom back into our broken, shattered, and angry world. Tony? All right, so that's our opening slide here on my little PowerPoint projection. So I want to let you just kind of speak into that. What are you, healing way, words, healing ways? What, what do you got? One, one of the things that I, I believe Shaviot does for us all is it prepares us to be in the space with other people, um, but to do that in a transformative way. Um, I think for us, um, you know, you, you don't get to Shaviot without Passover, right? Passover was... was uh, was really important to us. Um, and so the counting, the counting does no good without Passover, right? right? There had to be Passover. Baseline. Baseline. So, you know, I think when I look at, when I look at Passover um, to Shavuot and then I look at uh, the Brit Hadashah and I look at Yeshua spending time with his disciples before the day of Pentecost happens, there was a, I call it the, the three phases of Shavuot. There is the before there is during, and then there is after, or there is beyond Shaviot. Um, so many times, even in sometimes Torah communities, um, sometimes we, we, um, we build up to a particular feast or Moadim, and we don't, we, we don't capture the essence of that Moadim, and so we don't live beyond, or we don't carry the message of that Moadim beyond that point of and, and so we're beyond that now we can't we can't we can't keep visiting and we can't keep cycling through we can but it's not productive to keep cycling through the seasons without carrying the essence of those seasons beyond that moment and so but to do that you have to stay in the process right so what what i see is in order for us to bring this this healing and this hope, and, and I, love, I love talking like this because this is kind of where I work, is that we have to, we, we, we do a lot of training of the staff to be able to be in the presence of other people. And we do this training, and I don't, I'm not suggesting you do it, I'm just, just for the sake of this message. We do this training called emotional intelligence, right? What emotion, we call it E-I-E-Q, what emotional intelligence is designed to do is to teach you how to be more aware of how your behavior affects someone else. How your words, how your gestures, how your dispositions, how your posture, body language can impact someone else. And to be so, and here's what they say, and so this is for us as the, I'm seeking for humility here. <laughs> what they say is the higher we get as far as administration and leadership, the less intelligent we are emotionally. The higher we get, the more, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go biblical on you just for a second, go Bible on you. Man ought not to think more highly of himself than he ought, watch this, but to think soberly. (laughs) 
we're sober, we are more cognizant of the people we share space with. And it's harder for us to just start flipping off at the mouth, saying things, engaging in things, becoming entangled in things, following movements. Because we're sober and to bring healing and to bring hope, we have to be sober. Yeshua prepared the Talmudim for Shaviot. And even when they didn't know they were being prepared for, for the type of Shaviot they were about to experience, he knew that he was preparing them for this day. He gave instructions. He taught lessons. He lived in front of them. He did things on the scene, on stage, off stage conversations. He walked them through this whole process of preparedness so that this Shaviot would not be lost in tradition, in cycles, right? He was, he was setting them up for something transformative to happen. And then he sent them, I love this, and I'll give it back to Bobby. When he had fully prepared them, and, he's, you know, and then he has his 40 days and then 10 days during the, But when he had fully prepared them, he, he gave them instructions. He said, now go to Go to Jerusalem. What? Did anybody miss that? Why, why not someplace else? He said, go to Jerusalem. What was your sure thinking by sending these fellas to Jerusalem? He knew that Jerusalem, regardless of the state and the condition it was in at that moment, he knew the future of Jerusalem, and he knew that the future of that place was connected to what would happen on Shavio. Amen? Now, there's a couple of things in what Tony said that we're going to talk about. We're going to dissect a little bit. One is this issue of the higher you get in the administration uh, position titled levels, the, the lower your intelligence quotient historically tends to be. You become less and less sensitive to other people, less and less aware of the impact that your words, your behavior, even your facial expressions and your movements have on other people. If we're going to be people of healing words and healing actions, then we have to make sure we don't fall into this trap because this is a well-known secret, okay? As the people of the living God, we are called to a higher elevated position. We are called to a placement not, where it's not morally superior to other people necessarily. 
we have a responsibility higher than other people, an accountability to the Father that is higher than other people are. We are like the priests, the kingdom of priests. We have the responsibility to wisely handle the holy things of God. So we have raised up. We're now in this administrative positions. I call it diplomat. We have the diplomat corps. We are God's diplomat corps, and now we have a tied responsibility. The problem becomes then the more we sit and work in that responsibility and we look from our ivory tower down at other people who are not in that position, the less we have the ability, we, we hold on the ability to stay emotionally aware that we impact them in every facet of their lives. Now, we're going to get to the place where we're going to see, can I actually be a person of healing words and healing actions? If so, it's not going to be because I hold a position or a title or that I've even got revelation. Uh, Paul makes that pretty clear in 1 Corinthians 13. It's not about you having the higher revelation or more knowledge or more information or more skill or more talent or more training than anyone else. The matter really becomes is at your higher elevation, can you see deeper into people's souls? And can you love them despite the things you see on the outside of who they are and at the shallow levels of who they are and how they behave? And can you therefore become a voice of the words that need to be spoken to awaken that person in the that capacity that they have? So this is the first item that he's talking about. Now, uh, uh, let's go on and we'll move on. I, I think we've got enough uh, to start with there. I want to read to you uh, a little bit of a psalm. I know this is when people read to me. I love it because I guess I had my mother read to me when I was little, and she read the wonderful things. So I, I know, but other people haven't had that experience, so reading to you maybe puts you to sleep. I hope it doesn't do that. I'm going to try to read this. This is from Psalm 95 and then the first part of, verse, of Psalm 96, verse verse. Oh, come, let us sing to the Holy One. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Holy One is El Gadol, a great God, and Melech Gadol. A great king above all gods. Do you know him that way? Do we know him that way? Is this the passion out of which we live our lives? Because if it is not, none of the rest of the stuff we're going to talk about today is going to get very far. Because we'll be distracted very easily by stuff we see around us. The only thing that will keep us going forward is this vision of this king that we serve that is a great and glorious king worthy and deserving of all of our passion, all of our effort. We don't have time for the pain of this world. We don't have time for the frustration of this world. That brings the other second of what, Paul, what, what Tony said. Tony said at the end that he, Yeshua told the disciples to go to Jerusalem, go to Jerusalem. And... And he said that the reason, one of the reasons why that happened was because he, he knew what he was going to do in Jerusalem. He knew the future of Jerusalem. 
Now, most of us live far away physically, geographically from the city of Jerusalem, although we're connected by the Internet and we're connected by satellites and all sorts of things now, more so than any ever time in the world. But do you remember the, 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 one of the highlights of the latter chapters of the book of Revelation when, in, when the, the vision of John, the revelator, and he sees coming down from heaven the new Jerusalem, and this is prepared like a bride for, the, for our bridegroom. And you, you begin to see, and it outlays all this beauty of this. Do you have a vision for the new Jerusalem? A real, not, not, not in tomorrow and your fight with the political structure or the economic problems that we've got in this world. You have a vision for the new Jerusalem coming down from heaven to be the home, to be the light source, to be the, the beacon the pulsing energy source and pod of the entire world. Do you have that vision? If you do, then we've got something to talk about, and you've got the capacity already building in you. That is your, uh, nevertheless, at your word, moment that you're having with Yeshua. So I'm going to continue with the psalm now. We need this vision of how great a God we serve, and that makes everything different than the rest of the world would have us to believe. Go, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Holy One, our Maker, for He is our God. And we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Today. Today, if you hear, if you shma His voice, do not harden your hearts. Shiru Ladonai. Oh, sing to the Holy One. Shir Kadash. A new song. Sing to the Holy One, all the earth. Sing to the Holy One. Bless his name. And declare the good news of Yeshua of his Yeshua. <laughs> Your English Bibles will just tell you his salvation. His Yeshua, his salvation, his Yeshua. Declare the good news of his Yeshua from day to day. Today, if you shema, if you're hearing, if you're listening, if you're tuned in, today, if you heard these things, if you've been hearing what Tony and I, Stu, others have been saying, Jack has been saying, if you've been hearing this today, then okay, this is your moment. Do not harden your heart. But instead, sing a new song. Prepare to open your mouth. Prepare to open your heart. Prepare to open your life and sing a new song. Ashir Kadash. Unto the Holy One and unto the entire world and unto the earth. This will change things. More than the political stuff will do. More than the economic stuff will do. More than the religious stuff will do. Whenever we sing the new song, the Shir Kadash of the Holy One. So today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, but sing the new song and declare the good news of Yeshua to from day to day. Tony, I want to talk to you about, I want you to talk to the people about this issue of good news. This is our calling. We, this is our purpose. Good, what does good news mean and what does good news is not good news? <laughs> Well, good news is not coming from the news. <laughs> Point taken, right? 
that's not where it's going to come from. And if you want to waste your time, you know, spending hours there, you know, so be it. But first of all, good news is told good. It's, it's, we don't get to define what that is, right? We don't get to define Tov. It's already been defined. He, our Father has defined what is good, right, and what is perfect. And therefore, it's, it's that that he places in us that we share with the world. We don't get to share our opinions, right, unless our opinions are defined by him as being good. Right? You, you don't even get to, and, and I don't want to get into messing with religion here because I don't want to get anybody upset. Not you. Um, maybe people that will be listening. <laughs> we, we don't even get to always tell our story. Oh, and I know you feel like sometimes your story, if I could just share my story, <laughs> it, it's not always your story that the world needs to hear. It's his story. <laughs> it was his story that delivered you and gave you your story. Right? You wouldn't have, a, or you would, but it may not be good. <laughs> you wouldn't have a good story if it wasn't for his story. So we're, we're learning to change paradigm. We're learning to, to think differently. So what has to happen, um, it, as we prepare for Shavuot, we, we had to spend time with the unveiling of Yeshua. He was showing himself, Right? I would ask this question because this is where the good news is going to come from. How much of this time, uh, Stu had the, the count, I think it was, four, what, what would you have up there, 48? 48, 48 days of counting to Omar. How much of those days were spent learning from Yeshua? Seeing an unveiled Messiah. Learning from the touches, the communication that he was having, following him. Because without that, I wonder would the disciples, would the Talmudim have had this experience without the 40 days? And would the 40 days have meant what it meant without the time he spent with them prior to that? And would that have mattered without Torah? Do, do you understand? There are, everything is linked, right? So the good news that we're going to share with the world, you know, again, I'm going to remind you of this, and we we're probably running out of time because we've got to take a break, I know. But I'm going to remind you of this, that I, I'm, you know, I'm black, right? I have to keep saying that because sometimes my, my children say, they, you know, they said, you're not. I'm like, I am, I'm black. <laughs> It's like, you're not black. I'm black. We, I argue with my children. I wish the baby girl was here. She's she, she, she like, yeah, we do that all the time. Like, you're not black, Dad, because, they, because they've, they've defined what color is. Right? And they've come up with a set of characteristics and a set of traits that identify with certain colors and culture. And when I'm arguing with them, what I'm saying to them is, you're seeing things from the wrong vantage point. 
right? So, so here, here's what I will say as I close this. I'm constantly getting approached by other people who think that, they're, that I'm not the same color they are. And they, and they want to know, what do black people, how do you guys deal with the current situation? What do you say? We hear all the stuff that's going on. What do you say? I said, well, first of all, I say nothing to those things. Right? Now you got to imagine what position that places me in. <laughs> right? I say nothing to those things. Here's what I would say to you. I follow the wisdom of God. And I love everyone. I attempt to love everyone through the wisdom of God. God is showing me how to exist in the same world you exist in. I have the same issues. I, I have the same things happening to me on the job. I have the same thing that I go to a grocery store just like you. And yes, although I don't consider myself to be a part of this particular thing, others view me that way. I have to deal with that same stuff. But my response comes through a different kingdom. Right? And that's where change is being introduced. That's where the new paradigm is being introduced. It's from the kingdom of God. So the news I have didn't come from a Black Lives Matter movement. The, mo the, the word that I have came from the kingdom of God moving. Not a movement, but his kingdom moving. You're functioning from something that's already dead that's just waiting to be buried. I'm functioning from something living that just needs to be introduced. I'm bringing the kingdom of God down into the earth, into this situation. And I can't do that if I get entangled with the affairs of this world. When my commanding officer co commands me to do something, I won't be able to do it if I'm entangled. If my emotions and my feelings and my thoughts are all caught up and intertwined in all of this language that's out here. So I reject that. I live from Passover to Pentecost to Tabernacles. I don't live from the seasons of the earth that are created by these false narratives. I live only from the divine narrative, and, it's, and it always trumps whatever happens in the world. The good news that we are called to tell is not a good news of theology. It is a good news of what the Messiah has done as a person in our lives. That is that story. You know, if, we, if we're talking theology, we'll get to theological arguments. We may be right. We may be wrong. It, it will not change anything. What we need to do is introduce Yeshua as a person, as a persona, as a personality, as a real, someone they can know, not just believe in. Someone they can follow, not just somehow have a theology about they need someone like we have, hopefully, someone 
who we commune with, who we converse with, who schools us, who teaches us, who disciplines us. I mean, most of the things that took place between the, in the 40 days of Yeshua was, was, you know, here's Thomas, okay? Thomas. <laughs> what did Thomas need to be able to have that personal touch that changed Thomas's life was the fact that he, he put his finger, that was what he needed. He needed to put his finger in those scars, in those wounds of Yeshua. What did Peter need? He needed to eat a little fish for breakfast. <laughs> And he needed to have a conversation about feeding sheep that he had never seen because he was a fisherman. <laughs> and how to change his focus from catching stuff <laughs> to feeding stuff. <laughs> to, to nurturing things, to, to blessing things. And, and he keeps saying, okay, do you, do, you, do you love me? Not do you believe in me? Not do you think my theology, have you, have you read the theology of Messiah and do you know Maimonides' 12, 13 principles? Now, I don't want, that may be valuable in some way, but do you know me? Do you know my heart? Do you know my, my vision for this world? Do you know my vision for people? Have you been paying attention and in this 40 days, you, Peter needed a little time with some fish breakfast and a little time having this conversation. And Peter, Paul, and, and, and Peter says, well, what about that guy? <laughs> See, you know, he says, oh, well, I need to tell you about that. No, it's not your business what happens to that guy. No, you don't need to know what happens to that guy. If, that, if, I, if he tarries till I come, what is, what is that to you? The good news is what I'm doing in your life. The good news is who I am to you and who I can be to other people because you have introduced thee to them. That's the key factor. Well, this is our priorities. Again, uh, demo day, right? This is some of the demo day. We, we tend to get all caught up in a lot of, as we get higher in the echelons of religion, of faith, and, and even messianism, and whatever form you want to call it into, we tend to get where we look down with ivory tires without emotional intelligence and with losing that part of the story of who Yeshua really is, and that is the key factor of the good news. Now, I want to read another little verse. We'll take our, when do you want to take a break? 1.30? Thereabouts? All right, we'll do that in just a minute. But I want to read this other passage. It is from the book of Hebrews. Lest we forget that this is the key point of our good news message, the key point of healing words and healing actions. This is what it is. Here it is, beginning with the first verse, uh, the first of the book of Hebrews. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past, by to the fathers, by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his son whom he appointed heir of all things through whom he has also made the world yes. who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins. <laughs> Sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. 
And this is beginning with chapter 3, verse 12 through 14. Beware, brethren. <laughs> Take care. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of lo emunah, of, of not trusting, not staying in that belief system, in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is still called today. Remember, we've been talking about today, if you hear his voice. While it is still called today, exhort one another daily. Lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of missing the mark. We have become partakers of Mashiach. If, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. In our second session, we're going to start talking about what is the beginning of our confidence. Because if we don't have the confidence, if we don't have the beginning of our confidence, all we're just talking theory here in this room. And I'm tired of talking theory. I want to talk to people who are ready to, ready to throw that net on the other side of the boat. The beginning of the confidence, steadfast to the end, that will conclude my part of the first session. Tony, what do you have to say? Anything you want to share about that? Yeah, so as we, as we um, get ready to go into the break, a couple of things that we wanted to talk to you guys about, and hopefully we'll come back and do that. We wanted to get into what is our calling and, and, and reintroducing hope, healing, and shalom to a broken and shattered. We, will, we, we, we can talk about what, what broken and shattered and angry worlds look like, and that's, that's biblical. But we also want to talk about the essential disciplines of healing, redemption, um, and restoration. Uh, we wanted to establish where we are, do a soft assessment ourselves, establish where we are, where, where do we go from here, what changes do we need to make within ourselves and in our, in our communities and things like that. Um, and we wanted to talk about, will, you know, we, will, we will help, uh, we will, with your help, be able to talk about what, how, do we, how do we go about changing what's wrong in our world starting with our own homes, starting with our own lives. Um, and then we wanted to review with you um, the significance of bearing good news, um, answering the assignment to bring a good report. And, I, and I, that's where I want to leave you. If you guys are familiar, and I know you are, I'm just, I don't know why I even say that, but, but being familiar with the 17th of Tammuz and, and the 9th of Oz, you, you, 9th of Oz, you, you realize that, that this is connected to a report. Do you remember? And so what we want to do is before we leave, we want to make sure that you are aware of the impact your report can have on the nation. How do you see the land? Do you have a different spirit where you don't see what the others see because you don't sit where the others sit. Psalms, we can go through Psalms with that, but that's how we, that's how we, and I want to, I want to turn this over back to Stu as he finishes. But before I do that, I want to revisit the little song that I sang 
over you at the beginning now that we have had a vision of where this is, is and where it's going and to hopefully build that refreshing and that sensation of understanding back in you. And I'll just forget the, the Yiddish and I'll just go right into this. Good Sabbath, good Sabbath. Good Sabbath, good Sabbath. Good Sabbath, good Sabbath. Good Sabbath, good Sabbath to you.